electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Look, if you want to die by the sword, you have to live by the sword, too. If you were selling stocks because it looked like the yield on the 10-year Treasury was headed to 3.5%, then it suddenly switches directions and looks like it might be headed to 2.75%. You can't pretend like nothing's happening. It could change the entire tape, which is what we saw today where the Dow dipped 84 points, but the S&P advanced 0.25%, and the Nasdaq jumped 0.98%. These are big reversals. In the 40-plus years I spent buying and selling stocks, I've learned that long-term investments can like it or not, become short-term trades even when you don't want them to be. You can panic and sell all your stocks because interest rates seem turbocharged like a Formula One race car. But if the car starts going in the opposite direction, you need to adjust accordingly. You can't stick to your guns because your guns were based on bond yields going higher. Today's though, those guns, they ran out of ammunition. Listen, I run a charitable trust in conjunction with the CBC Investing Club. In my capacity as a portfolio manager for the trust, it's my job to recognize that sometimes rates can go up too far too fast, priming them to come down a bit again. So if we're selling stocks based on fears of ever higher bond yields, which you know we've been doing for weeks, and suddenly you get a reversal of that trend, as we saw today, we can't just throw our MO out the window and pretend the reversal didn't happen. It did. To borrow my favorite apocryphal line from the late, great John Maynard Keynes, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, sir? When you're a public figure, that, uh, that kind of thing can get you mocked endlessly because people hate it when you love a stock one day and loathe it the next. Critics will roast you for being inconsistent, even if it turns out you made the right call. Very easy to stitch together some incredibly misleading YouTube clips that make someone in my line of work look like a moron. Very easy. But when you when the facts change, Jimmy Chill says you got to change with him. Case in point, there are a ton of similarities between this moment and the end of the dot-com era. In 1999, I was wildly bullish on Internet stocks, in part because of, the, of my work with TheStreet.com, a publication I started in 1995 and took public in 1999. Oh, the market was in love with the whole group back then. 
practically every week we rack up huge percentage gains. The dot com is the biggest gains that we've ever had in the history of the market. I was telling everyone this was an amazing time and you had to buy. Good. Then the facts changed. The dot-com started running out of money. There were endless stock offerings for both insiders and the enterprises themselves. So I realized after enough of this for three months in the, uh, three and a half months in 2000, it was time to get out of Dodge. Now, back then, I didn't have a TV show, but I wrote a trading diary for the street. And I told people I had enough of the dot-coms by the third week of March in 2000. That's an almost exact nailing of the top. And because I put my money where my mouth is, I want 100% into cash in my hedge fund for only the second time in its history, the first time being right before the crash in 1987, two for two. For days back in 2000, I told people I was cashing out and even shorting tech stocks that had gone up too far. Given that the vast bulk of people who listened to me made a ton of money in these stocks on the way up, I was shocked by the widespread antipathy when I changed directions. I spent weeks writing the dot-coms were an investment that turned into the trade of a lifetime. In other words, we thought they were long-term stories, but it turned out they were fabulous short-term trades, and you had to ring the register. It was tar- I wish you didn't, but you did. That's why I turned on the whole group right before it peaked, and I stayed negative on these things for years afterwards. Good call. Just like back then in November of last year, I warned in the investment club about the age of silliness being over. I told you to circle the wagons around companies that make real things and provide real services at a profit and ideally return some of those profits to shareholders at reasonable prices. Anything else was going to get torn to pieces as the Fed started tightening. Good call. But now the whole growth cohort has been obliterated thanks to the relentless rise in long-term interest rates. Then yesterday, we started to get a reprieve as rates began to go back down, something that continued today. Not big, but it continued. At that moment, I had to change my attitude once again and start searching for bargains. I think this is one of those times where the bond market is saying you can buy stocks, not sell, even if you'd been a seller. I know switching directions opens me up to ridicule, but I'm not trying to avoid ridicule. I'm trying to give you my best assessment of the stock market. What I can tell you is that many tech companies that make real things and return capital to shareholders now do sell at reasonable prices after the tsunami of selling. No, I'm not talking about Unity or Coinbase or Upstart, which is on tonight, or Peloton or Palantir. I'm talking about amazing semiconductor and software companies, especially NASDAQ names. They're doing so well, including Internet names, making so much money that they've become cheaper than the rest of the entire market as measured by their growth rate and profits. And as club members know, we are buying them back, often well below. We sold them. Honestly, I felt terrified putting that cash to work for the travel trust. These tech stocks have been total dogs. But if long-term treasury yields are no longer soaring, that could make a huge difference. I don't like to be a trader for the travel trust, but this has become a trader's market. I can't stick with my guns when the facts change. I can't stick to my old views when the data no longer supports them just because the peanut gallery values consistency. A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little mine mentioners on Twitter. If you want true consistency in this market, you got to take your cue from bonds and bonds have changed direction. Look, I'm not a Kathy Wood type who pronounces all trades as classic lifetime disruptive investments and then sells them as, as out if they go down. I, I won't tell you all of my calls will be right or, or, or that I'll only be vindicated in the long haul. I like to do buying and I like to do homework. When I get something wrong, I try to admit it rather than making excuses. I shout out for the rooftop so that everyone can learn from my mistakes. Go watch my, my uh, morning meetings. With, with Jeff Marks, and you'll see. Most of them is about things I did wrong. I don't know if Treasury yields will actually keep heading lower. Tomorrow's CPI could be red hot. They could reverse. But I do know that the stock market's gotten oversold to the point where even a couple days of columnists in the bond market can actually create some nice action in stocks. The one thing I don't fear anymore, the critics will say, 
This clown Kramer was just telling you to sell Microsoft. Now he wants you to buy it. That whole line of thinking is idiotic. If you sold Microsoft in the 300s and you bought it back in the 260s, you sidestepped a huge decline. The bottom line, when the facts change, I do change my mind. And right now, the facts are a lot less hostile to the beaten down high flyers, at least for the moment. And I'm high grading the portfolio to reflect that there are lots of tech companies that now return capital you and are at reasonable prices and are going to have very good growth. They exist again. I'm looking at them. Don in Alabama. Don. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Don. Booyah from Bama. Uh, Wanted to ask you, Lyft, is it a buy right now or should we just hold off and wait till No, there's no need to need to buy Lyft. There's no need to buy Lyft. It's not the kind of company that I'm recommending. Uh, I want companies that are making a lot of money that have come down a great deal, and Lyft is not one of them. So I'm sorry, that is not going to qualify. Let's go to Emily in Arkansas, please. Emily. Thanks for showing myself and other investment club members how to transition our portfolio to better navigate the times we're in. My stock, Airbnb, doesn't fit your guidelines for the kind of stock to buy right now. But you showed some excitement about this company when you listened to the CEO talk about the business now and going forward. Yes. Could there be a place for the stock of Airbnb in one's holding? It's hard to. First of all, Emily, thank you for being a member of the club. It's hard to figure out what what you should pay for Airbnb. They have a gigantic amount of cash flow. I mean, huge. So I felt like that I could get better and feel more comfortable about it, even though it sells at 50 times earnings. But no one wants to buy a stock at 50 times earnings, even as one as this. This is one, by the way, because people are traveling. I would be a buyer of some and then let it come down. That's how I would approach it. Let's go to Dennis in Connecticut. Dennis. Hey, Jim. Big Connecticut booyah to you. I'll take it. Thank you. What's up? Hey, with the, with the airline industries picking up and the spare parts market's got to be soaring. And you also got the war in Ukraine with the Javelin and the uh, Stinger missiles with mm-hmm. Raytheon. With every NATO country, EU country ordering, plus us backfilling our, our supply, would you say Raytheon to buy at this point? With this I pullback? like Raytheon very much. I also like Lockheed Martin, which is you know makes Javelin. Uh, I, I think Aero Environment's very good, but I think Raytheon's excellent. You're absolutely right about the spares. You're right about the engines. It's a really, really good story, and I think that you're right on there, and you should be a buyer of it. All right. When the facts change, I do change my mind. The facts are now a lot less hostile to a lot of beaten-down techs that were very expensive, and they've come down. And if the Treasury stay calm, it could be good for a couple days. Well, made money tonight, a big guest lineup. Upstart plummeted over 50% today after the company cut its full-year revenue forecast. I got to get to that bottom of the story for all of you who own it. Maybe we figure out what's going on. And down significantly from its high, should investors try Crocs on for size, or was that just a pandemic play? I'm talking the company's top brands. Then Pfizer announced today it would acquire Biohaven Pharmaceuticals in the biggest deal since 2016. And I'm learning more about the details of the, of the deal with a company I know very well, Biohaven. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. 
also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. All right. This market is merciless. Anything is going out of style. The wall street fashion show. What is today's horrific 56% decline in upstart, a heavily shorted stock, the artificial intelligence-powered lending platform? Last year, this was a beloved stock, but like so many other fintech names, it's fallen deeply out of favor. Now plunged from 401 at its highs to 33 and change today. Upstart is a turbocharged growth stock, so it's been obliterated by the market's revaluation of all values over the last six months. But lately, there's also more serious questions about their business model. Some of the loans they have facilitated have begun to underperform in the absence of government stimulus programs. Throw in a rising interest rate environment, and you can understand why Wall Street's skeptical and why I am skeptical. So when Upstart reported last night, even though they beat the expectations for the quarter and crowed about that, investors only cared about the fact that management issued very disappointing guidance for the current quarter and slashed its full-year forecast. Worse, the company announced it's been using its balance sheet as a form of bridge financing, while credit markets adjust to higher interest rates, and their loan balance more than doubled during the first quarter. I didn't even know they had a loan balance. Business model here is that they sell these loans to other investors, so they're sitting on a ton of excess inventory, perhaps of dubious vintage. That's suboptimal. On the one hand, i got to wonder if Upstart's been punished enough. On the other hand, there's no telling how much worse things can get if the Fed finishes tightening or if the two-year goes higher. So let's dig deep with Dave Girardi. He's the co-founder and CEO of Upstart, who's willing to come on the show in both good times and bad. I don't have about that. Mr. Girardi, welcome back to Mad Money. Great to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right. So there's a fellow by the name of Cliff Hodge on today, on our air, Chief Investment Officer at Cornerstone Wealth. Here's what he had to say about you. Upstart is a disaster, down 60% today, still trading at six times next year's sales estimates, which are going to get marked down. This stock is a poster child for what can happen during regime change. That playbook is over. Why is Cliff Hodge wrong? Well, Jim, I, uh, I don't know what Cliff's talking about. We are a fintech that has delivered seven straight profitable quarters. 
in four straight quarters with triple digit growth rate. So if you can find another fintech or another technology company, you know, with that combination of growth and profits, then I think you should buy it. So uh, if our I business find a company with six hundred million strong. bad loans on the balance sheet, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, we we, we don't, Jim. We we are a, we are a technology provider to lenders. We occasionally take some loans on our balance sheet to test our models and. And, and bridge, but we aren't fundamentally a lender ourselves. Well, We're I don't have to test your model. Your vintages were two point nine one percent average delinquency. I don't have to test the model. That's awful. I've been I've been in banks all my life. That's a bad model. You know that too. You should have been flagged that two point nine is too high. That's what happened to Glenfit. That's what <laughs> Calfit. Come on, my friend. You're better than that. Jim, we're a platform that has dramatically overperformed in credit performance and far outdistanced traditional models. That's what matters. We have more than 50 banks and lending and credit unions on our platform, and all of them have seen either overperformance or on-target performance throughout all of COVID. Well, but why you said then there's on your coral, there are two or three vintages that were right around the time of what we call the reversal of the loss trend. And you can see this in our investor deck, and it, they basically are going to marginally underperform. He talks about underperforming. So why didn't Wells take them? Why didn't you know, one of the, your partners take them? Why didn't First Horizon take them? I mean, if they're so good, why didn't I take them? Why didn't you ABS them to me? <laughs> well, Jim, look, the COVID period was a period of tremendous overperformance. Delinquencies were down about 50% below where they were modeled to be, largely because of stimulus provided by the U.S. government. So our model accommodated that. And the return to normalcy, a couple of them are a little bit uh, off performing, but not radically and, and not dramatically. Our over the history of uh, our you know uh, platform, uh, credit investors as well as banks and lenders have seen tremendous overperformance, and we're very proud of the performance well, that we've great. delivered. That's and all it great. Today, that's all great. What I want to know is when I see a stock that is down fifty six percent. Okay, I don't say you know what time to buy. I say what went wrong. Why do you have any loans on your balance sheet? I thought you were a platform, a platform that every bank I know loved. I was shocked to see how many loans you had in your balance sheet, shocked. And it said to me that I did not up, I did not know Upstart. I thought I did. But there are other investors that you and I both know who thought we did. And we were shocked at the amount of bad loans on your or potentially bad loans on your balance sheet. Shocked. Yeah. First of all, just just to make it really clear in the, in the first quarter, a, a single digit percentage of the loans that were originated on our platform came to our balance sheet. That hasn't changed in our history. We've said we use putting loans on our balance sheet to test new products and new models. And that's largely what those represented. So it's not a new a change in our model. More than 90% of our loans are originated and held by banks or originated by banks and sold forward to institutional markets. That hasn't changed, Jim. But 10% of the size of your doing has changed. And then you're moving into auto refi, which I find is the most difficult single business that I'm that involved right now, particularly when I'm watching Carvana. And I just say, Dave, come on, man, just go be back to what you were doing and don't do the price discovery. Just be this fantastic platform that every bank needs in order to be able to access the smaller investors who are really what I really why I liked your company so much. And, you know, when I see vintages that are bad, I think about companies in 2007, 2008 that told me vintages went bad. And you know what? Sometimes I'm still criticized because I didn't say they're all going bankrupt. And I know you're not. But I've got to tell you, it was it was it was it was, it was certainly ill advised to have that many loans on your on your balance sheet. And a lot of the bankers tell me it's because you couldn't get you couldn't get rid of. Them. There was no way you could get rid of. Them. 
Jim, through most of COVID, loans that were targeted a return of 7% were returning more like 12%. A few vintages that were targeting 7% in the latter part as stimulus went away will probably return about 5%. So in the grand scheme of, of our uh, platform, we're pretty happy with that. Lend, uh, banks and investors have made incredible profits, have been incredibly successful on in our platform. It's not perfect, but it has performed exceedingly well, and we're proud of it. Okay, well then, all right, I'm going to ask it straight out. A stock that's down 56% is not a misunderstood stock. It's a stock where people thought there was far more risk than we realized. Correct? Well, yeah, look, I mean, all else being equal, I'd prefer our stock was going up. But the fundamentals of our business have not changed. Profits and growth have been the combination uh, since we went public in December 2020 and, and since before that. So, again, uh, we're proud of what we're building. We, we think um, if the market doesn't appreciate it today, it's OK. We're all right to be understood because applying artificial intelligence to the to the business of lending is a fundamentally important change. It's good for consumers. It's good for banks. But why is the average literacy rate of 10 months of 2021 vintage 2.91 percent? I was not born yesterday. That's a really high number. It's not a hard number, Jim. Look, our whole goal is to predict exactly how much loans are going to default. That's the notion of a risk model is to pr- accurately predict. I wish you and I saw I wish you and I saw eye to eye on that. But I guess I've done banks too long to know that 2.9 is way too high. And you know what would have been better? I think if you come on and said, listen, yeah, we got some 2.9. Don't worry about it, Jim. We're going to syndicate them. We got a lot of buyers. If you say that to me right now, then I'll say the stock price is wrong. Do you have a lot of buyers for the stuff that's down 2.9? Do you? <laughs> Jim, everything clears in our system. So we, our, our business is really healthy. We generated a lot of cash last, probably $60, $70 million in cash last quarter. There's nothing going wrong with our business. That, that's right, the well, I'm sorry I have to be so tough, but obviously a lot of people have lost a ton of money. And if you can clear those loans and you're that platform that we all wanted, that's a better company, Dave. That is a better company. It is. It's simple. All right. Get rid of the bad loans and the stock will go higher. Get rid of the 2.91 criticized loans. It'll go higher. All right. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Good to see you. Co-founder and CEO of Upstart, Dave Girard. Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up. After an earnings beat for Crocs, is it time for the other shoe to drop? Kramer does some fancy footwork next. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Look, this is a heinous, frankly, sometimes ridiculous market where nearly all the market's former leaders have been lined up against the wall and they have just been shot. No one wants to own any of them. It is just incredible. But not every stock that's been destroyed in the last six months actually deserves the pain. I mean, there's been a lot of, ton of collateral damage that can create buying opportunities. Remember, we want real companies with real products, real earnings, and real cheap stocks, which brings me to Crocs, the maker of these modern-day clogs that become incredibly popular in recent years. I've got my own. Go Eagles. You got it. You could argue this is one, was a COVID winner because the stock shot up from around $10 as the pandemic closed to 183 and changed last November. People seem to like Crocs in the stay-at-home economy. Maybe that's what's really killing it. All the COVID winners have been poleaxed here, including Crocs, which is now down more than 70 cents from its high. But behind the sector rotation, Wall Street wasn't thrilled that the guy shelled out $2.5 billion in cash to stock to buy an Italian shoemaker called Hey Dude late last year because this is a skeptical stock market, even though the city has worked out well. But this company's doing great. Crocs reported a strong quarter last Thursday. Monster earnings beat fueled by 40% plus revenue growth. And while their guidance for the quarter was mixed, the stock's now down 25% since it reported. And the mix had to do with Hey Dude being good versus regular Crocs being okay. Now, look, at these levels, the stock trades at five times earnings, which makes no sense to me, okay? It seems cheap. i got to figure this thing out. So let's take a closer look at Andrew Reese. He's the CEO of Crocs. Learn more about the quarter and what comes next. Mr. Reese, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure to be here. All right, I got to tell you, point, point, point blank, Andrew. I like to read things within the um, confines of the reports and listen in the confines of the reports, not look at the stock price, because the stock prices are lying all over the place. Now, I yeah. know that you put up incredible numbers, all right? So I have to try to figure out what went wrong here. There was a paragraph where, you, and I thought it was boilerplate, frankly, where you said, look, um, let me turn to the future. As we discussed in the first quarter, macro environment remains challenging. Backdrop of high inflation, rising interest rates, supply chain disruptions only become more complicated with the war in Ukraine. Ongoing shutdowns caused by zero COVID policy in China. Now, I've heard every single company say that. Why is it this? Why did it crush your company? Look, I, I, I'm not sure I can fully answer that. What I can tell you, Jim, is look, we had a great quarter. We had a great last year. I think we're certainly getting lumped in with the other COVID stocks. But, you know, unlike Peloton that I think released today that lost a ton of money, we make a ton of money, right? So we made, uh, you know, 600 plus million dollars in profit last year. We had a great, highly profitable quarter in Q1. And we've given very clear guidance to the uh, to the street that will make, you know, approximately $10 a share this year uh, in terms of uh, in terms of EBIT contributions. So we're highly profitable. We're growing. I think we're just getting lumped in with that that rotation out of the uh, the um, you know those those COVID stocks. Right. But but honestly, you know, we don't believe that's true for Crocs. They were a twenty year old company. We've we've had a uh, we've got a much longer track record, and uh, you know, I think we've got a great future in front of us, which is going to be uh, a growth future oriented around the Crocs brand. But also, as you mentioned in your introduction, we bought another brand, which also gives our investors diversification. Well, you look, you, you paid. Okay, you just talked about it, you paid you know, two and a half bill for, for Hey Dude. But the amazing thing was, I know you haven't had Hey Dude very long, 
But whatever the heck happened once it came under underneath your your uh, umbrella, hey, dude is on fire. Yeah, I mean, look, we bought this brand for two reasons. One, we could see in the marketplace that it was doing extraordinarily well. You know, the compound annual growth rate on the brand for the last three years is over 200%, right? right. So it's been growing really, really quickly. We also knew that it was really only in the sliver of the United States. It's really mainly penetrated down through the middle of the country, Texas and Florida, right? right. And so there's a, a lot of people live in California and, and the Northeast, right? So we knew we could expand it around the country. Um, so uh, we could see the opportunity. The second reason we bought it and uh, look, and I think in retrospect, when people look back in this, you know, 12 months or 24 months from now, they will see this is an incredible deal. Um, the second reason for it is to provide diversification, because one of the things we'd heard from our investors as we've grown the Crocs brand, uh, which is really uh, concentrated in the iconic uh, clog, mm-hmm. um, they, were un- they were uncomfortable with the, with the concentration. So now we're going on two brands that are both going to grow. I, I think it's an, you know, it's an incredible investable story, but... But obviously, we're getting kind of swept up in a, a, a lot of, I think, uh, you know, market dislocation. Yeah, but I mean, look, maybe people felt that you have supply chain snags because, hey, dude's made in China. And maybe people are saying, that, listen, if uh, if Tesla can't make them all in China, you won't be able to make them all. What, what, how is the supply chain over there for you? It's not bad, actually. So, yeah, we, we, I would say as a company, we're diversified. We're in Vietnam, we're in China, we're in Indonesia, and we're in, you know, other Western markets as well. We're manufacturing. Hey, dude, is predominantly in China. Um, we've seen some closures in the in the first quarter. Factories closed for a, a week or so, um, but we're very confident in our kind of ongoing supply. Um, so we're in a number of different factories. So we're diversified from a facility perspective. Um, so I think you know, look, we, we're looking pretty good from a supply perspective. And as we look back uh, over the last two years. I think one of the things our customers would say, you know, our, our, the, our wholesale customers we sell to, we're probably one of the better brands in terms of managing supply during the COVID. And we've been able to do that because our products are pretty simple, right? If you're making a sneaker, there's, there's 30, 40, 50 pieces go into that that you have to assemble before you can put the shoe right. together. But most of our products, there's three or four. Right. So getting our supply chain up and running again is easier. All right, last one. Four and eight million in uh, inventory seemed high to me. Uh, could that be what people don't like about? Yeah, that is, that is a little high, right? So we've right? incorporated Hey Dude. And as you know, you know, you've got to mark up the inventory when you make an acquisition. So right. it's a little elevated from an, from an inventory acquisition perspective. Um, but uh, but I think that's also a testament to success. We've managed to get inventory uh, on the water, on its way to the United States, on the way to our international market. So I think that will prove to be a valuable asset in the coming months. Right, well, look, I don't understand this at all. I and mean, I'll just be honest. I've been in this business for 40 years. It, this, this price makes no sense to me other than the fact that people just hate anything that they saw people wear during a pandemic. I got my Go Eagles Crocs. I didn't have this in a pandemic. I'm thrilled. All right, that's Andrew Reese, CEO of Crocs. Guys, I don't know. You don't get hurt that bad buying five times earnings for real growth stock. Thank you so much for being on the show. Mad Money's back here for the break. Coming up, it's an M&A day in Kramerica. All the big deal details with the top brass of Biohaven. Next. Next. 
When stocks get too cheap, big companies start making takeover bids. This morning, we learned that Pfizer's buying Biohaven Pharmaceutical for $148.50 per share, a huge premium from the $83 price where it closed yesterday. i got to tell you, I love this deal for both companies. Pfizer's been printing money with its COVID vaccine, but it's losing some major patents in the next few years. It needs to bolster its pipeline. As for Biohaven, this one's personal. For a few years now, I've been using the breakthrough acute migraine drug, Nurtec ODT, which is a remarkable drug, and it's changed my life. It's one of the reasons why I've been a fan of the stock and endlessly told you to buy it, even though it's been hammered in recent months. So what does it mean for the, the company going forward? What does it mean for the patients? What does it mean for the shareholders? And Dr. Vlad Chorich, the chairman and CEO of Biohim Pharmaceutical. Dr. Chorich, congratulations on the sale, and welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks a lot, Jim. Really appreciate it. All right, so Vlad, you and I both knew that this market was much bigger than anybody realized. Were you surprised that Pfizer used the billion-person number? Jim, I have to say this is a great day for patients and shareholders because this continues our mission for patients to deliver the only all-in-one therapy, Nurtec ODT for patients. Pfizer recognized the value of this franchise that I think you have for many years now been advocating, and they are a global drug development powerhouse that's going to bring this drug to even more patients. I think it's amazing. You were instrumental as, a, as the chief spokesman for American Migraine Foundation. You were a great help to me because you explained to people early on, migraine is not headache. Migraine is not headache. You said it over and over again. And the people who treat those who have migraine as having headaches demean them. Tell us what this drug does for people, both before now and during migraine. So, Jim, this is the only all-in-one therapy that can treat a migraine acute attack and then prevent the next episode. And it's been a game changer uh, in this area. And I think you know firsthand, and thank you for your advocacy through the American Migraine Foundation and the number of patients that have learned about Nurtec ODT because you've talked about these novel therapies. And I think what we've seen is that this has grown into one of the most important class of therapies for people suffering from migraine. And I think uh, Pfizer's deal today represents a continuation and putting this drug in their hands to bring it to even more patients. Yeah, and particularly women patients who have been, I think, very discriminated against because if they say they have, they're afraid to say they have a headache, or, even though it's migraine. I've got in front of me something I took. I took Tylenol extra strength and took Advil liquid gels. I took Excedrin. I took all these. They did nothing. Um, I take a drug called Amavig. I gave myself the shot today, but there's four days where I'm not covered. Those are four days where I always, always, always have migraine. Got up Saturday morning, knew I had migraine, took Nortec. Fifteen minutes later, no, no migraine. And yet how many days do they study migraine at med school, Vlad? How many? Uh, the migraine in med school is uh, something that we, we studied and for many years didn't have these type of tools. And what's exciting is that now we have something better. And what's remarkable, Jim, as you know, is the number of people who haven't heard of these therapies yet. Right. Oh, and I look Almost at no one has. I mean, now, look, your quarter was stunning. But I keep going to people and mention because I always have to carry it with me because I have to do it. If I feel like 15 minutes before it comes on, I got to pop one. I, so I always have them in my pocket. But, Vlad, this was the first quarter where your sales really started reflecting that maybe the word is getting out. The, the word is starting to get out. But, Jim, when you look at the numbers, there are over 300,000 physicians in the U.S. who still write for the older triptans and have not yet written for one oral CGRP. That's not acceptable. We have to bring the modern day 
a novel therapies to those patients. And Pfizer really is the best company to build upon our work and unlock the potential of this franchise and bring it to the patients who are still in need. Well, I want to uh, compliment you. You never once, when you meant, you came on the show and you announced the deal, you never said that Pfizer might not ever buy you. You didn't say that. You did say you want to help as many patients as possible. You can't do it. You're too small. Pfizer can. I think Pfizer globally is going to make this into one of the la- 10 largest drugs in the history of the world. I agree, Jim. I think this is going to be one of the most important primary care drugs. And in addition to that, it is going to change the way migraine is treated and set a new standard of care. There's never been before one drug that can both treat your migraine and prevent the next. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the team at Pfizer really uh, encourage uh, patients to learn about this and and tap into the full potential of uh, CGRP agents. Well, look, I want to congratulate you, Vlad, Dr. Church, because you've been the leader. You've changed a lot of people's lives. This is an amazing medicine. And you deserve, you and your shareholders deserve every penny that you got today. Thank you so much for being on Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Good to see you. Appreciate your advocacy. Thank you. Uh, Anytime. People, particularly women, must be treated fairly. End the discrimination against women with migraine. Stay with Kramer. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, daddy, tell the lightning round. I'm going to start with Bill in Pennsylvania. Bill. Chill, man. I don't know about you, but I can't skip a side of guac at Chipotle. What do I do about avocado producer and distributor Mission Produce? I want to be careful about avocados. The up and down nature, having known for 12 years in the restaurant business, is too hard to gain. I want you to be very careful that even as I think they make a good point, it's just too darn hard. Corey in New Jersey. Corey. Hi, Jim. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. And oh, thank sure. You, thank you for all uh, making all us investors feel calm during this crazy time. That's what I want. Look, I want people not to be complacent, but calm. They're two different things. Thank you. How can I help? Um, I, uh, I just purchased over time some stock in uh, the stock is Ambersauce Bergen, and I wanted to know what you thought. They are a very uh, inexpensive, terrific, profitable company that I like very much. Good call by you. William in Alabama. William. Yes, sir. Go ahead. What's up? All right, my question is about Funko. Uh, I bought Funko for around $6 back in 2020. Uh, my question is, do you think I should continue to hold or Well, that's a sell? big game. Maybe take some off the table. But this Andrew Perlmutter is making a lot of really good deals. But many of us were confounded that the stock went down as low as it did. Uh, I think it's a good company. It sells at 10 times earnings. But I always like to get a little off the table when you have more than you know, you're playing with the house's money. Let's go to Ken in Georgia, please. Ken. Hey, Jim, I need two pieces of advice from you. Sure. One, how to how to grow the best tomatoes. Two, AECOM, ticker ACM. Well, you got to go. The best tomatoes, frankly, is requiring tremendous irrigation. I've got a great irrigation system, and that's what really helps me um, because it really is about water and sun. Uh, and what was the, the stock? 
Oh, eight. Oh, my God. I, this is a tremendous infrastructure play that has come down a great deal, even though it's profitable. I think you should own it and I think you should buy it. I like them very much. How about Craig in South Carolina? Craig. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Hey, this morning on the air, you said that everyone has one stock in their portfolio that they've been pummeled on. Absolutely. And, Jim, my, my screen's bleeding red with the firm holdings. They have earnings on Thursday. What should I do with AFRM? We have to hear if they have some secret weapon, some bullet, something that's going to make it so people are less concerned about the, that it's buy now and never pay. That's what people are worried about, the credit risk. Maybe Max Lefchin has answers. I know that there's been a lot of inaccurate stories about his company. Let's learn more when they report. Let's go to Matt in Illinois, please. Matt. Hey, hey, Jim. The yes. Big Booyah from Bo- Chicago, Illinois here. We love you. We love you, man. Uh, big Booyah. You're too kind. Thank you. Thank you. What's it's up? It's hot today. I, I think I got a hot one for you. I want your take on this. Sure. Uh, the uh, McKesson, MCK. Great middleman, uh, sells at a very low multiple, not that much different from Mercer's Burton, except for actually better. Really, really well-run company. I always felt it at 13 times earnings. I met some people who work at the company. I said, why am I not a McKesson? Let's go to Rochelle in New Jersey. Rochelle. Hi there, Jim. Long-time follower, second-time caller. Thank you. I'm very, I'm very confused, and perhaps you can clear things up. Sure. Bright uh, Black Knight closed today at $69.54. And it was recently announced that they have agreed to be acquired by ICE for $85 per share. Well, BKI has been downgraded by several analysts just recently. Can you explain this? You know, I can't. I mean, I saw the acquisition. I said, well, hey, look, that's a good one. Ring the register. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of stocks in the arbitrage world that are getting hit because people are, uh, you know, because of the Twitter deal. These guys are getting hurt. I don't want you to fool around. You got a great game. Let's take it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. Inflation is feasting on the market. Can this food stock help satisfy your cravings for profit? Kramer takes a bite next. Kramer, you are super. You are awesome. I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for inspiring me to get in the game. Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer. three days of horrific selling. Sometimes it's just nice to see a company report strong results and actually get rewarded on the spot for a higher stock price. Look at Cisco. By this time, I mean the CSY. Why Cisco? The food distributor that supplies restaurants, hospitals, schools, and, and hotels. Now, I've been a huge fan of this one. It's a reopening play that can pass on the cost of inflation to its customers by directly raising prices. doesn't hurt that the stock's relatively cheap. Sure enough, when Cisco reported this morning, they crushed the sales and earnings expectations. Management also raising their full-year earnings forecast, just a textbook beat and raise, as Cisco's taking share and taking names. And that's why the stock jumped 6% today, and it's just organic growth. How many surprised we've got more room to run? Still not at its high. So let's take a look and check in with Kevin Hurricane. He's the president and CEO of Cisco. Very thankful, Mr. Hurricane. Welcome back to Mad Buddy. 
Jim, it's glad to be on your show again. Thanks for having us back. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to ask you, Kevin, is that everyone tells me that all the big restaurants are closing, that there's real problems all over the country, that people aren't eating at the office anymore. They're eating at home. Your Cisco numbers tell me either you're just killing it, taking share from everybody, or that whole description's wrong. Which is it? The honest truth is I think it's a little bit of both, Jim. The market has proven to be pretty resilient from a food-away-from-home perspective. As the Omicron variant exited stage left at the you know, kind of middle to end of February, the month of March was really robust from a food away from home perspective across the industry. But you know, make no mistake, Cisco is meaningfully taking market share. Our stated goal for this year was to grow 1.2 times the market, and we far exceeded that growth target, us versus the marketplace in the last quarter, Jim. Well, I mean, you, you got to tell people what your sales were. I mean, the sales growth here is incredible. And when you compare the sales growth even to the pre-pandemic, it's monstrous how well you're doing. Yeah, we had a strong beat from a top line to bottom line perspective, as you said in your intro. And our volumes, that's actually what we're measuring more than anything, because inflation is helping our sales. Our volume in our U.S. business was up versus 19 in the most recent quarter. And Jim, what we're excited about is that is well ahead of what industry experts had predicted for our sector. We still have growth tailwinds at our back. We have an international business, as you well know, and international right. hasn't yet caught up to the U.S. And we have sectors that we serve, like travel, hospitality, business, and industry, which is caterers to large corporate offices that are not yet fully recovered. So sales well above 19, volumes above 19, and we still have gas in the tank from a recovery right. perspective. Steve, gas tank. I want everyone who runs a business to listen to what Kevin's about to tell you. One of the most innovative things I have ever heard is this shift to a six-day delivery model. I don't know who came up with this, Kevin, but it is brilliant. Tell people how it works. Yeah, well, we like what we're doing here is we're expanding our work week for our physical operations while at the same time shortening the work week for our associates. One of the most important things that we need to do being a supply chain company is improve the quality of our jobs. So we're converting from a five-day scheduled work week for our associates to a scheduled four-day work week, four 10-hour days. And if they need to work overtime or want to work overtime, it's easier because it's a fifth day instead of a sixth day, they have a better work-life balance. But for us as a company, by stretching to a full six-day, Monday through Saturday delivery, we're essentially able to increase our throughput capacity on each and every day of the week provide restaurant customers with better service. And Jim, we're able to grow our business profitably with fewer physical assets. We can sweat our trucks, sweat our buildings. We will invest in new buildings. We will invest in new trucks. We've increased our throughput capacity. We've increased our ability to ship on time and in full to our customers. And it's better for our associates as well. So we're excited about it. We just completed that work this past quarter. You know, and as a customer, it's ideal. I mean, we always, you know, you can't have two days off. It's a six-day operation. Everybody knows that. Exactly. Now, uh, one of the things I love, you know, when the Cisco trucks in parked, parked in front of our places, I mean, they, you know, look, they keep the engine running. That's fine. I don't blame them. They're trying to keep everything fresh. This deal you're doing with Carrier makes so much sense. An electric pilot, how big can it be? Yeah, we're excited about the work we're doing with our climate sustainability goal, Jim. We're the first and only food service distributor with a stated science-based target that's compliant with the SBTI initiative, and it has multiple factors. We will be electrifying our fleet and also electrifying the trailer, as you said. We're we're shipping product on a tri-temperature truck. It's got a freezer section, a refrigerator section, and a dry. We ship millions of miles, and we can make a really meaningful impact in our communities in a positive way 
by electrifying our fleet. It's the right thing to do for our climate. It's also good for our business. We think it can create a competitive advantage. Our drivers love driving the electric trucks, and you'll see an announcement for us from us soon, actually, on a pretty significant commit what we're going to make in the electric truck business. Well, if, very you, soon. if you do, I know there's a comment. I'm not familiar, but if you do it with Carrier, I have to like Mr. Gilbert. You know, I mean, look, they've got some really great technology, and they're very proud of it. And we got to show it off because we don't want trucks idling. Okay, but we do want trucks right in front because it has to be made easy enough to deliver the stuff to the restaurants. Now, one last thing. Yesterday, I was on the Tyson call. And while certainly food is not uh, soaring anymore, it did start kind of roll over a little bit. Uh, Chicken rolled over a little bit, pork rolled over, beef rolled over a bit. Are you seeing any relief at all because this country needs it? Uh, Yeah, we're seeing significant inflation across the food Ah. sector, as you well know, and uh, I've kind of gotten out of the business of predicting when inflation will begin to normalize because I've been wrong three times. We three times have said <laughs> okay. it's the next quarter where it's coming. Um, we're working very hard at Cisco to lower prices for our customers, Jim. That's what I could say. Being very aggressive on negotiating with suppliers, finding alternative sources of supply, introducing Cisco brand, as you know, to help save them money and helping with them with the menu design. We can help restaurant customers understand alternatives to help them lower prices, portion size on the menu, uh, and just generally speaking, helping that restaurant be more profitable through advice and counsel that we can give them. We expect inflation will begin to normalize. As you said, we're about to roll over right. meaningful increases from a year ago. Well, look, I like the story. You know that. I've liked it since the day I met you because I thought it was a very underperforming company. And I remember you said, you just watch. And you did everything you said. So I want to congratulate you. That's Kevin Hurricane. He's the CEO of Cisco, SYY Kind. All of it. What can I say? I mean, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mid Money. I'm Jim Craver, see you tomorrow. The news with Jeffrey Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 